today I, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6 for just a little bit. And, and I am not going to keep you over. Uh, I want to I just give you some thoughts that I trust will be a help, encouragement, and a challenge to you. So if you found Ephesians 6, would you just stand with me as we read the Word of God? I'm going to start in verse 10, read just a few of these verses. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We can be here this morning for all that we've heard. Lord, we ask that again you'd use your word in our hearts, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Everybody in this room, I'm sure you're familiar with this passage. You know this passage regarding the armor of God and, and all the rest. The interesting thing is quite often when we're talking about the armor of God, we stop there around verse number 17. But when you get into verses 18 and 19 and 20, uh, it kind of uh, shifts after God through the Apostle Paul is telling us to put on this armor and to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then he says, uh, pray for others that they do the same. And then verse 19, and for me. That's the Apostle Paul after saying, do this and be this and, and you can stand. He says, now, now pray for me that I'll be able to do this. Pray for me that I may speak the gospel, that I can do it boldly as I ought to in verse number 20. Listen, it's everyone is susceptible to not standing. Everyone. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter, you know, how many great sermons they've preached or how many great things they've done for the Lord in the past. Everyone is always susceptible to not standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who fall and that's a shame. It's a terrible thing, but, but listen closely. It ought not blow us out of the water because it happens. Human beings are human beings and flesh is flesh. And, and sometimes people start making a wrong turn and you have to be careful that you're not just following people but you are indeed founded on the word of God. That's what the armor of God is all about. Not just following people, but being founded and based on the word of God. There are some who fall. That's not, that's not a new thing. 
Over in 1 Timothy chapter 1, it talks about Hymenaeus and Alexander uh, who ended up with a shipwrecked faith. And, and in 2 Timothy, it talks about those who fell into error and denied the resurrection. And by the way, it's equated with blasphemy in Scripture to deny the resurrection. That's pretty serious stuff. So when somebody falls in, in that degree, that's a, that makes a big splash and that's, and that's a big deal and it's scary and you, and you always hope and pray that they'll not drag others along with them. And the thing probably that bothers me the most in that regard in the day in which we live is the number of people who seem to be so easily dragged away. They seem to so easily take that wrong turn and follow some guy who took that wrong turn. And without even a second thought, it just seems to be happening all around us. There was a church up in New Hampshire that we, we had held meetings at and, and had a wonderful time. And, and we knew the young pastor and his family. We knew his father, who's a tremendous preacher of the gospel. And his, and his brother's a preacher of the gospel. And his sister's married to a missionary. And I, I mean, these are folks whose whole life has been wrapped up in preaching the word of God. And, and he was doing a fine job at the church. And, and then we found out just a couple of years ago that he was no longer there because he had started reading and listening to the wrong people. And all of a sudden he began to change his theology and his doctrinal positions. And, and he went into uh, hyper-Calvinism and, and, and he was starting to move the church in that direction. And thank God there were some people in the church who said, we're not going that direction. We're not doing that. And, and that's not what you were when you got here. And that's not what we wanted. And we still don't want it. Amen. And he ended up leaving and going, going elsewhere. And, and now he's training further in all of that so that he can go further down that rat hole. That, that kind of hurts your heart a little bit. When you see that happen to some young guy that is, is doing so well and has so much potential and, and you think, you know, is solid on, on everything he ought to be solid on. We've seen over the last few years not just here, but all over in other places. In Canada, it's rampant. In other places, it's rampant. The, you know, the lunatic that sends out videos and tries to drag people into heresy and started off by, by you know, coming in under the guise of defending the King James Bible. And everybody's, hey, yeah, we're all for somebody defending the King James Bible. And then here comes this heresy and that heresy and this false doctrine and all the rest and has split churches all over all over the world, really. Destroyed mission works, hurt churches, just done damage everywhere. And the, the, the worst thing about all of that is not that he's done that. People have been doing that for a long time. It's how many are so easily pulled away. How in the world are you so susceptible to hearing stuff that you should already know is not right? And, and following somebody as they make the wrong turn. Listen, people are going to make the wrong turn. Don't follow them when they do. Pray for them. You know, ask God to, to show them that, that they've made a wrong turn and someday maybe they can get the thing straightened out. But for goodness sake, don't follow them when they do that. And yet so many seem to do that. So many going into, you know, contemporary uh, ooey-gooey worship styles and, 
and motivational talks rather than preaching the word of God and and all all manner of stuff and and people who've sat in churches for decades and heard the word of God I mean really heard the word of God and heard truth over and over and over again churches like that where the people sitting there just seem to go right along with the turn how can that be how in the world can that be and good churches founded on truth and, and good preaching and good doctrine and good teaching and all the rest. How in the world can somebody come in who, after a, after a man of God who believes the book and preaches the book and teaches the book and even started the church and has done it for years and years and then they get this person in there. And in just a short period of time, the church is gone and they sold the building. How does that happen? Well, it's because people were willing to just make the corner. And they were willing to follow this guy who didn't just make a little turn. I mean, he just ran. There he went. And, and too many of them were willing to just follow that. That's sad. It ought not be that way. Today, we're, we're seeing these young men coming out of <clears throat> supposed independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist colleges and just doing stupid stuff, stupid stuff. You'd be surprised the number of them who are now joining the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, there, listen to me closely now. There are some Southern Baptist churches scattered around the country that are good churches, with good preachers, and there are some who believe the book just like you do. And for whatever reason, they're tied into that system, and they have not seen fit to pull themselves out of the system. However, they're a small minority. You know, and, and listen, I will give credit to where credit is due. Just last week, the week before, they had their big, their big brouhaha Southern Baptist meeting, and they, and they kicked, uh, what's his face, in California, uh, out, kicked him to the curb. Should have done that 20 years ago, though. Because he's been nothing but Oprah in a pair of pants for the last 20 years. He didn't believe the Bible. He didn't preach the word of God. He's just a, he's an Oprah, he's a new ager is what he is. And, and they kicked him to the curb and thank God for it. Hey, praise the Lord. Anytime somebody does something right, praise God they did something right. You know, that, thank God they're just going to put their foot down somewhere along the line and not continue to go that direction. But, but can I just say to you, and you got to hear Brother John Marshall speak this morning, and you think, oh, that's the old guy, so we need to listen to the old guy. Yes, you do need to listen to the old guy. Because what a lot of the young guys don't understand is that we have a history. And we came from somewhere. And there's a reason, this is going to shock you, there's a reason we're not Southern Baptists. And it was a good reason a long time ago. And it's an even better reason today. And these guys are coming out of these places and thinking now that this is going to offer them some security or a little boost in their ministry or give them some retirement or give them some goodies at the end of the line. Why not join up with the Southern Baptist Convention and we'll help them get straight? No, you won't help them get straight. That's not the way that works. That's, for one thing, you're not straight or you wouldn't be joining up with them. You're not going to help them get straight. You're a goofball. Amen.
I'm smiling at you. You can't get mad at me. I'm smiling at you. And they're seeing fit to do that and, and go into that. And you know what the problem is? They're completely ignorant of any kind of history. Any kind of history. They don't know how we got to where we are or where we came from or, or the different things we've had to separate from over the years and walk away from. I mean, relationships and, and friends and all the rest that, that have had to be turned from and walked away because they're going a different direction and they're not going to follow the word of God and they're going to yoke up with this and that and the other thing. And they're so ignorant and they've come many times out of these non-denominational Ooh, I only have seven minutes left. Oh, so I'm... <laughs> ah, Hope, Hope is going to go back to college for her second time. Her second year. David's going for his first year in August. And we'll not only be hopeless, we'll be Davidless. And it'll just be the two of us. And everybody says, what are you going to do when the kids are gone? And, and, and really, Brother Marshall, we're going to eat in better restaurants and stay in nicer hotels. That's, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. And... Uh, we're, we're going to get places faster. We're going to have more free time. I mean, it's, there are positives and negatives. And <laughs> you say, well, you know, when you send your kids off to Bible college, this or happen or that or happen and all that, they better know what they believe before they get there. Because no matter where they go, there's going to be somebody whether it's a professor or the whole department or whether it's some roommate or some goofball that came from somewhere else, somebody's going to try to mess them up. And they need to know what they believe before they get there or they're going to follow some bozo who makes a turn. They will. Yeah, it's true. How do you keep that from happening? That's all I want to talk to you about this morning. And the answer, although it may seem simplistic is right here in this passage. And it really is about us putting on the armor of God. That's what it really comes down to. That's what makes the difference. There are those who fall, and it's ugly, and it's, and it's terrible, and it's a shame, but don't allow them to drag you with them. Don't do that, because our faith is not based on someone else and someone else's performance, and someone else's faithfulness, and someone else's fealty to the Word of God. Our faith is based on our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and based completely on this book. And then if some preacher disappoints you, your faith is solid on this book. If some group that you're a part of, and, and I'm, not, I'm not for groups, I'm not. I'm just not. We're not part of any any fellowship or association or whatever you want to call them, you, you might choose to do such a thing. God bless you. I believe fellowship should be a verb, not a noun. As long as we keep it a verb, we'll be just fine because then it's not as hard to turn around and go the other direction. It's easy to walk away when it's just a verb. And there are all kinds of them, some good, some bad, some indifferent. There is even an association of unaffiliated independent Baptist churches. I didn't make that up. Association of unaffiliated independent Baptist churches. 
That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in all my life. We are an association proud of the fact that we're not associated with anybody. Oh, maybe we should just look at ourselves just a little bit. <laughs> Give that a second thought. Amen. There are those who fall. There are those who stand. Thank God for those who stand. Really. And, and Brother Marshall could tell you some people, some places that he talked about today, some places that he mentioned today that are not now functioning today like they were when he was a young man. Thank God they were there when he was a young man. Thank God for everything that they did and everybody they gave the gospel to and all the rest. But what happened? Somewhere along the line, somebody took a turn and everybody followed and now they're gone. They're just gone. I went to a Bible college that no longer exists. And there were some years where they put out great preachers and great missionaries and, and, and wonderful people who loved God and wanted to serve God. And, and many of them still out there doing the work we've been in, in some of their churches in the last couple of years. Old guys who went to the same place that I went a long, long time ago. But it doesn't exist anymore. Why? Somebody took the turn. That's why. And so many just blindly followed along because their faith was not based on this. It was based on following that guy who took a turn. Stop following guys who take turns. So, well, who's that? Everybody. Everybody. Follow this right here. How is it that some stand? How is it that you can have a guy 90 years old get up and speak to us this morning who still believes all the stuff he believed 30 years ago and 40 years ago and 50 years ago and 60 years ago? How does that happen? Because he didn't take a turn and he didn't fall. He just stood. That's all. He just stayed faithful to what he believed to be true at the beginning. And that's the same way we have to do it. Just stay faithful to the word of God and what it says and what it teaches, because if it doesn't, we will fall. There are those who fall. There are those who stand. Let's be one of those. Then there's a scary category. And that that might be a large category. It's in first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. You can turn there if you want. I'm, I'm not going to just because of the sake of time. It says, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There's, there's those who stand. Praise the Lord for those. There are those who fall. That's a terrible shame. Don't follow them when they do. And then there are those who think they're standing. And I'm afraid those are the ones who are easily swayed to move from what they know is right to whatever their friend or their hero or their church or their does because they thought they were standing and they even looked like it. And if you'd have seen them in church 10 years ago, you'd have said that guy is exactly where I'm at. He believes exactly what I believe. He knows why he believes it. And there he is. And then now he's, he's completely different. He's gone around the corner and he's at the party church and he's, you know, this and that and the other thing. Or, and his kids are on the IFB cult survivors website and, and everything else. And he's supporting them in all of this freedom in Christ. And, and he said, how did that happen? Well, because the truth was, even though he looked like he was standing, he just thought he was standing. And so the important thing I want, to in, I want to put in your brain today is this. We need to look at ourselves and make sure we're really standing. 
that we don't just think we're standing. Be careful. What's, what's the difference between somebody who's really standing and somebody who just thinks they're standing? Well, look, if you would, down here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It's very quickly, it's this right here. The armor of God is the difference between the one who is genuinely standing and standing long term and the one who thinks he's standing and finds himself gone around the corner and someplace he never would have said he would be 10 years ago. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Do we live in an evil day? We most certainly do. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Very quickly, where do you get truth? Thy word is truth. Always has been, always will be, settled forever in heaven. No changes necessary, no revision needed. There it is, the truth right there in your King James Bible. You stand there having your loins girt about with truth, but make sure it's your truth. We were talking a little bit last night at the table about these people who, uh, you know, they leave good churches and, and then they get online and they make a big deal about how the worst thing that ever happened to them was that somebody loved them enough to take them to church and they learned songs and they learned verses and, and it's destroyed their life and now life is awful because somebody cared about them. I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. Those are people who thought they had some truth but they didn't. All that they ever had was borrowed. It was not theirs. It was his or his or his or his. And it sounded good and it fit with what they were doing and they took it. And they said, that's mine now. That's my truth. The problem is when the right circumstances came and the opposition came and storms begin to come and things are different and then your kids go haywire and this happens and that happens, all of a sudden you have to decide, is this really mine or is it not? And too many times we find out it was not. It was just what I heard, and because I like my preacher, I accepted what he said, but it was not my truth. Listen, if you're going to have your loins girt about with truth, it needs to be your truth. Which, by the way, is the problem with most of the young guys who are growing haywire today. It was not their truth. They just did what they did because that's how they grew up and that's what it was. And then they heard somebody on the radio who disagreed and quoted a Bible verse in doing so and said, wow, that sounds great. And they jumped onto that and borrowed that one. Make sure the truth you've got is your truth. It's not good enough just to have the right Bible and have it sitting in your lap. You need to, you need to make this personal. This has to be what I believe not just what our church believes, not just what our pastor believes. What do I believe? And I need to get it from right there. Loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And of course, you know, real righteousness is not something that I do and I work up and I can make a list of things. And this is what I do and I don't do. So that's my righteousness. Can you just be honest and say that most people sitting in good churches, if you had to nail them down and say, what is righteousness? They'd give you a list of things they do and don't do. It would. And that's not righteousness. Real righteousness is imputed to you from the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That's the one that allows you to be seen as righteous before a holy God. That's real righteousness. And if you don't have that, you just think you're standing. 
You can have all the standards in the world, but if there's not real righteousness, that's not going to get you anywhere. I can't tell you how many people I've seen in the last few years who were, I mean, had high standards, very high standards, very strict high standards, stricter than I would have set. And they go right from that to the most worldly, ungodly mess, like overnight. Really? I mean, from very strict neo-Amish to all of a sudden, we're in the bar. Not, not you know, I've decided, you know, my, my skirt doesn't have to be completely to my ankle. It can come to my calf and I can still be spiritual. No, no, we go right from the ankle to here. What does that tell you right off the bat? Well, it wasn't theirs. And there was no real righteousness there. Oh, they may have had a list of things they did and didn't do, but it wasn't really righteousness. And if you're going to stand, you've got to have real righteousness that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You've got to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. What in the world does that mean? I've heard it explained a lot of times. But it seems active to me. Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, that, that says I'm prepared for something, does it not? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm moving here. I'm prepared for something. What is that thing? To share the gospel. People who think they're standing, it's not that they don't want to see people saved. It's not that they don't want to see people's lives change with the gospel. But, Brother Anthony, they just never see an opportunity to present it. They just never do. You know why? They're not prepared. They don't see the opportunity. They miss it. You see the opportunity. They don't see the opportunity. And they miss it altogether. And they think they're standing. They're not really standing. Look down here if you would just a little further. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We, we don't have time to go into it very long. But listen, faith, simply, the easiest way to think of it, faith really is just believing what God says and acting accordingly. That's what faith comes down to. It, not based on what you see, not based on what you know. You go with what God says and you live accordingly. You act accordingly, living by faith. And what that does is it throws up a shield of protection and keeps you from being destroyed by the things that are destroying the world all around you today. And if you don't have that, you just think you're standing. You're not going to make it. And then very quickly, look down just a little further. Verse number 17, and take the helmet of salvation... For yourself. Just because you grew up in church. You got to get saved. Amen. You got to know you're a sinner and get saved somewhere along the line. Or you'll be on the IFB cult survivors website. You'll be there one day. You'll be the one causing trouble and telling people how awful that church was and all the rest. Because you sat there all those years. But you never met Jesus. And if you sit in church all your life and you never met Jesus, all you get is bitter. That's the truth. Why are, why are the traditional Protestant religions just bleeding people left and right? Because they got people sitting there in church all their life, but they don't know Jesus. And so all they got is a bunch of ritual and rules and foolishness and stupidity that goes nowhere. And all that does is breed bitterness. And the same thing happens in a good church if you don't get saved. 
You've got to have a helmet of salvation. Then look at the last thing. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Isn't it interesting? It started with your loins girt about with truth, which is the Word of God. And now it ends with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen? Isn't it amazing that that shows up really twice in the list? It's at the beginning and it's at the end. Why is that the case? Well, because quite honestly, that is the most important element in your Christian life. Really, if you don't have that and you don't read that and you don't make that the basis for what you believe and for where you stand, you are very easily drawn away to other things and away from the truth. And so with all that in mind, I just want to ask you a question. Are you standing? So I I think so. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed. Because you might be about this close to going around a corner you haven't even seen yet. As soon as the right wind blows or as soon as the right hero takes the wrong path or the, whatever it is, you better be careful. You better know you don't just think you're standing. You better solidify it in the word of God. Young people, young people, Listen. Believe your preacher, trust him, listen to the word of God preached, but it has to be yours. You've got to take it in and make it yours. And you've got to get into that book and you've got to say, okay, this is why I believe that. I'm glad my preacher believes it, but this is why I believe it. And then when you run across somebody who believes something a little different, that won't blow you out of the water because you'll say, I know what the Bible says. And I believe it because the word of God says it. It doesn't matter who preaches other than that. It doesn't matter who writes a book different than that. It doesn't matter who turns the corner. I am going to stick with the word of God. And then hopefully one day, if you make it to 90, you can stand up and tell everybody about how much you still love Jesus. Just like you did when you got saved. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. Lord, thank you for all the good word that we have heard today. Our hearts have been encouraged and stirred. Lord, I just pray that you would help us, those of us right here, right now in this room. In another 20 years, another 30 years, if you tarry your coming. Help us to be those who are still standing. Not those who are statistics, not those who had an embarrassing and an inglorious end. But God, help us to be those who are standing when the smoke clears and all is said and done. And we'll just thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.